promised for us and who could be against us? Nothing, nobody. That's where we stand. That's where we're positioned in Christ. It's a brilliant song. That's him living under that blessing every moment of every day. Why because God is for us? When are you going to be excited? Because he is. God is good. Went to the million, New Life Church. Just a few things to say. Carol service yesterday. Have you got a Christmas jumper? We just wear something, Christmas jumper, Christmas tie, whatever. Let's have some fun next Sunday afternoon. I want to say congratulations to Rebecca. She passed an important insurance She's been coming on the end of the institute to work on insurance. That's a well done. It's too long ago, but congratulations. 86%? 89%. I know. <laughs> Well, here in the Christian world, we find that um, 
we can't ignore it. You can't avoid it, you can't walk away from it, you can't dismiss it because it's become so commercial and there's a kind of commercial magnetism that draws you in whether you like it or not. And one of the songs I hate about Christmas, and it will be played when you go to the shop, some silly song that says, Love and Love is Christmas, I gave you my heart, and I will give it away. It's like it's it again, you can't get rid of it. And I hate it. I need deliverance when I come out of the shop because it goes on and on. Think what a stupid song. But this is it. We get sucked into this whole environment, the commercial magnetism that draws you whether you like it or not. And our culture wants to make as much money as it possibly can, particularly the retail industry, out of Christmas. So how many of you have Christmas jumper? I succumbed a few years ago. You'll see my literary jumper next Sunday. This Christmas hampers, Advent calendars. When I was a boy, an Advent calendar was one where you opened it and it told the story of Christmas. Now the Advent calendars have nothing to do with Christmas. You've got all this chocolate in them. How unhealthy is that to buy a proper Advent calendar? Because we know the season of Advent is very hard to find a real one. We have radius. Wrapping paper, cameras, Christmas socks. Have you got Christmas socks? Yeah, something comes out every year, doesn't it? And yet, it seems to me that we are now in a place as a nation where Christmas is misunderstood, it is misappropriated, it's a season we kind of mask over with tinsel and glitter and gifts. Just look at the screen for a moment. Jay Dog tells a great story. There was a, a man who went for a, a walk with his dog and he got to a lake. He picked up a stick, he threw the stick into the lake. The dog walked on the water, picked up the stick, brought it back. He thought, no, no, I'm losing it, I'm losing it. And he thought, no, I know what I'll do. Tomorrow I'll bring my neighbour and then I'll have a witness. I'll have a witness. So the next day, he brings his neighbour with his dog, same lake, picks up a stick, throws the stick into the lake. The dog walked on the water, picked up the stick, brought it back. He turned round to his neighbour and said, did you notice anything unusual about my dog? He says, I did. He said, well, what did you notice? He said, your dog can't swim. Do you know, I was a little bit like the neighbour. I was a little bit like the neighbour. I, I didn't believe in God, I was an agnostic. Do you know what the Latin is for agnostic? Ignoramus. So I was pretty ignorant, I didn't believe, I didn't, but do you know, my understanding of Christianity was a misunderstanding. And that is true for so many people today. Get the point? Yeah. We now live in a culture where people totally misunderstand what this season is all about that we call Christmas. And as Jay John has also said, you know, they want to take Christ out of Christmas. If you take Christ out of Christmas, what are you left with? MS. Something that happened in the EU just this week. Premier Christian News said, the European Union 
is being accused of trying to airbrush Christianity out of official documents. The Vatican complained after a document on the inclusive language replaced the word Christmas with holiday period. He also recommended names typical to the specific religion, such as Mary and John, should no longer be used. The document entitled Unity of Equality was aimed at avoiding discrimination and promoting inclusivity. But it is now been withdrawn, thank you. Christopher Lamb is the Rome correspondent for the Catholic newspaper The Tablet, and he gave this report. He said the EU has tried to go down a route of removing the word Christmas. They seem to be taking out the religious references, and it seems to be a document based around a lot of political correctness. I do know that they have now withdrawn it. But obviously, these things sometimes hint to the deeper mindset which the Vatican is not happy about. Well, I think every Christian would be happy about it. But this is where we're at. Let's just airbrush out anything that is to do with the true message of Christmas. Let's just make it a holiday where we do lots of silly things and spend lots of money. Let's go back to the real meaning of what this season is all about. Let's get God's perspective on what it is about. Because we have read to us a really important scripture this morning, and it is this. It's going to come up. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. 600 years before Jesus walked upon this earth, those words were spoken by the prophet Isaiah. So let's just unpack that for a moment and just come up with a few important things so that we don't forget what this season is really all about. Okay, let's go for it. Here we are. The first thing we need to understand is that Christmas is first of all, a child is born to us. Nothing is more thrilling than the birth of a child. I think that the birth of all four of our children is a wonderful moment. I take my hat off in pride and admiration to every woman who gives birth. Trouble with us guys, we can't receive a thing. And admire the, the effort, the labor that goes into giving birth, but there is something precious and wonderful about a newborn baby. It's lovable, it's vulnerable, it's pure, it's precious. Christmas is about a baby. Whatever you do this Christmas, don't lose sight of the baby, God, becoming flesh, being born to us. We live in a culture that have lost sight of the baby. Now, I remember many, many, many years ago, when I was a dad, we went on a holiday to a holiday camp. And my younger brother, Stephen, was a little toddler, about 18 months. We arrived setting up the caravan, and Stephen wandered off. And I remember this moment of panic. I would have been about six or seven, somewhere around that, five years between us. So we'd have been eight, maybe. Remember the panic when suddenly my mother realized that my little brother was missing 
and they searched for an hour. But eventually they found him. Someone had picked him up somewhere on a beach nearby and he was returned. Something awful when, when you lose a baby. And now we're in this time where people have lost sight of the baby. A few years ago, Greg's the bakers did something terribly offensive. They put a sausage in the manger just to make a joke out of the season, not really understand what it's all about. In the festivities of this Christmas, this nation has lost sight of what it's all about. We're no longer interested in the baby, God becoming flesh, stepping into our world. Justin Welby tweeted this. Advent is listening to what is barely heard, the sound of the heartbeat of an unborn child. Listen this Christmas or this Advent. What can you hear that everyone else around us ignores? You see, Christmas is personal because to us, Jesus was born. He was not born to some other planet. He was not born to some other universe. He was born to us. As the scripture says in John 3 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. No other religion offers such a personal and intimate relationship with God as does Christianity. No other religion has had their God step into this world to be a gift, to save us from our brokenness and our sinfulness. Why? Because God, the true living God, is for us. He has always been for us. And we sang it in that blessing song. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. It's personal. Christmas is personal because to us, a son, a child, has been born. It's often been said that because of marital breakdown, we are living amidst the fatherless generation. Sure, you've heard that comment. Men have failed to be good examples to their families. The marriage has become devalued, and family life is broken in so many ways. We see it all around us. Many people suffer from an awful spirit, feeling disconnected to proper authority because they've been unable to relate to the father. Mark Stilly wrote a book some years ago called My Father's Tears. This is what he said about the effects of fatherlessness. If you have an angry father, you may conceive God as volatile, unpredictable, stern, and even angry. If you have a father who abandoned you, you may feel that you can't quite trust God not to do the same. If you have a father who abused you, you may see God as a father who's tough. You'd rather avoid at any cost. If you have a father who didn't keep his promises to you, you may come to believe that God isn't trustworthy. If you had a father who was stingy, you may have problems with the idea of God's lavish generosity. If you had a father who was sick and weak, you may find it difficult to picture a strong, almighty father. If you're a father who's yet traumatized you, you may struggle to see God as a father who is truly alive. If you're a father who didn't depart from you, you may feel that God can only be rarely encountered. If you're a father who was emotionally absent, 
you may tend to think of God as disengaged in the See how the equation is set up. Hurt by an earthly father, we become suspicious of our heavenly father. Our father's wounds therefore greatly debilitate us. They cause us to project our memories of being poorly fathered onto God. We then wander perpetually in a land of spiritual deprivation, a land in which the living metaphor of God's father is robbed of all distraction in our hearts. Instead of drawing near, we shrink back. Instead of trusting, we are suspicious. Instead of living from the center of love, we live from the center of fear. That's where many people are at. Because of an absent father, because of a, a damaged experience of fatherhood, they cannot appropriate God as their heavenly father. They cannot understand how God should love us so much, our heavenly father, that he would want to step into our world to heal us of our brokenness and our sinfulness. But you know, the Bible says, when the right time came, God sent his son. Born of a woman subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. That's the father heart of God, to adopt every single one of us. And he personally stepped into our world to make that possible. The Christmas is not only personal, but look at this person again. Christmas is also relational because the Son will be given to us. Christmas is about God wanting to relate to us. That word Son is very relational. We understand and appreciate that. We're all made in the image of God now for his likeness. Have you ever watched that program on television, Long Lost Families? It's a great program where children that were perhaps given up at birth by, by a mother who maybe had a child out of wedlock and it was a shame to keep that child, 60 or 50, 60 years later, that child was adopted, but then is reunited with his or her mother. It's incredible. Just the lengths they go to to bring these long lost families together again. But you know what I find so amazing is that in that moment, they recognize that they belong together. That there is something of a kingdom spirit, there is something of an immediate connection. There is a recognition that we are related. We are family. And that happens to all of us when we come to know God who gave his son. We recognize that we have been related all along because that was God's heart right from the beginning. So Augustine said our hearts are restless until we find God. And just like those wise men who would not rest until they found Jesus, the newborn king, so we're no different. Peter Graham once said there's a God-shaped hole in every human being and it's only filled when we find God through Jesus Christ. We were designed for relationship and we were designed in the beginning to have a relationship with our Father God. 
That's why to us has been given a son. Do you know it's estimated that there are 2.2 billion Christians in the world? That's 31% of the population of the whole world. Now people try and tell us that there is no God. People try and tell us, you know, just get on with your life, forget that there's a God because it doesn't exist. I respond to that and say, how can 2.2 billion people be wrong? No court in, in any land would dismiss the evidence of 2.2 billion people who would actually testify and say, I have a personal relationship with God, my Father, the Creator. I have come to know Him. That's the reality. Don't let anybody try and persuade you differently. See, Isaiah prophesied a son would be given to us. He knew that the day was coming when Israel, who suffered from an orphan spirit because of their rebelliousness, he knew the day would come when God would step into the world and bring them hope and his father heart would be restored to his wayward nation. So I have to ask you a question this morning. Do you have a relationship with God, your father, today? You might come to this church, you might sing the songs, you might have been brought up in a Christian home, but do you really know personally Jesus as your saviour, God as your loving friend? Has the true meaning of Christmas brought you into a living relationship with Father God? See, the Bible says in Galatians that God sent his spirit the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. We have an inheritance. We have an eternal relationship with God because of Jesus. So Christmas is personal, Christmas is relational, but one last thing, Christmas is also intentional. The government will bring upon his shoulders. Politics and government are two necessary things. We know that we need them, but we know that they cannot fix our broken world. We have a great local councillor here, Jamie Scott, and he, he just gives he's giving his heart away for this community. So I love him that. Hope he's coming next coming to Paris. You get those kind of politicians who just will lay down their lives for the good of their community, and then you get others, it's just all about climbing the political ladders, becoming famous. We know that human solutions are not the answer to the brokenness of our world. Yet at the same time, we all know that something has to be done to fix the brokenness of our world. And in the Old Testament, the people of Israel had had a litany of failed monarchs. They all failed to govern in the way that God wanted them to govern. Probably David got the closest to it, but he had his weaknesses, he made his mistakes. When you read the history of the people of Israel throughout the Old Testament, and every monarch, every leader failed to live up to what God expected of them. 
So God's plan is to teach to his world to search Jesus in prayer. But the way that Jesus reigns is in the light. You see, Pilate asked Jesus when Jesus was standing before him before he was crucified. Pilate, the Roman arts governor, said to him, You know, are you a king? Jesus says, My kingdom is not what you see. My kingdom is in the hearts of those who are around the world. My kingdom is not of this world. And the psalmist got it right when he says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom because you rule throughout all generations. The way that God rules is not over nations, but in the hearts of people in those nations. God came to restore law and order to the broken world. His first step was to do it in the hearts and lives of those who were broken. Now the day will come, we know, when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, because Jesus are you expecting him to come back? He might come back in your lifetime. He might come back in your lifetime. It's too many. And the Bible says those who have this hope within them purify themselves. If you live in the anticipation and the expectation that Jesus is coming back again, then you will live a life that pleases the Lord in my heart. As a purifier, it's so very effective on you. But until that day comes, Jesus rules and reigns in the hearts and lives of his people. But the day will come when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. But until that time, the message of Christmas is a God who stepped into our world because he loved us to heal that which was broken and restore us to himself. I want you to see a lovely little story. It was an advert that came out a few years ago by a commission organization. Just watch this beautiful story and may God give you a very blessed Christmas. I think wrapping paper might be the answer. I mean, just look at everyone else with their perfect bodies and immaculate style, their clean little coats and their cute little smiles. What hope have I got to ever impress? Compared to them, my life is a mess. But if I was wrapped up, then no one could see the rips and the cracks and the screw-up that's me. The paper would cover all my faults and my flaws. I'd look just the same as the others because I would be shiny, attractive, exciting. People would see me as something inviting. If you ask what I wish for this Christmas time, here is my answer. I just want to hide. Now that it's happened, you would think I'd be cheerful. But here is the thing, I'm actually more fearful. I know it sounds weird, but now that I'm covered, I'm scared of the moment when I'm truly discovered. I know it can't last. This is not the real me. I'm dreading the moment when I'm actually seen. What will they think? What will they say? Disappointment? Disgust as they throw me away? This is it. Here we go. My heart is racing. Nowhere to hide now. What am I facing? The paper is ripped and thrown to one side. Everything's bright as the light hits my eye. But wait, what is this? Can this really be true? 
You're seeing me and I'm seeing you. With hands that are caring and eyes that are kind, you pick me up and love what you find? That cannot be because of my beauty. It must be because of what you will do with me. You bind up my wounds and you clean up my pores and now I am loved, but not because I am so perfect, so clean and so great, but because you saw me and you did not hate, but loved me, restored me, you made me clean. Now this is real freedom, to be truly seen. What could be better for Christmas this year? A prince of peace who scatters our fear. Yes, God is the maker, but we hide from him. Here is our problem. It's what is called sin. It leads to a mess, so we wrap ourselves up. We fear being seen, but that doesn't stop God from coming to find us. Sending his son, he so loves this world that Jesus has come. He loves us, restores us, he makes us clean. This Christmas, find freedom. This Christmas, be seen.